very much. Would you turn your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 2? Genesis chapter 2, we're going to begin there in verse 18. As you're turning there this morning, I want to share a quote with you that I found this week as I was studying for today's message. I quote from Pastor John MacArthur in a sermon he preached entitled, A Plan for Your Family, God's Versus the World. And I quote, No one needs to prove to us that we may be watching the death of the germ cell of civilization, the family. All the signs are abundantly clear all around us. We could drag out all kinds of statistics to indicate the dire situation of the families in our culture. We are constantly looking at the parade in the media of divorce, sexual rebellion, abortion, sterilization, delinquency, infidelity, homosexuality, women's liberation, children's rights, and so on. That has been continually paraded for us for the last 10 or 20 years. We are watching the formation of the rope that strangles the family to death. And many, frankly, are gladly carving out the tombstone for the family and really doing it happily. In a book entitled The Death of the Family, a British physician suggests doing away with the family completely because he said it is the primary conditioning device for a Western imperialistic world view. Kate Millett, who is a very prominent feminist, wrote a book called Sexual Politics. And in it she writes that the family must go because it opposes and enslaves women. The people who hold these perspectives are aggressive, forceful, forthright, domineering, and they find their most fertile ground for the propagation of their viewpoints in the universities and colleges of our society, and consequently they are in the process of significantly re-educating the youth who eventually fall into the category of the leaders and movers and shakers of our society. End of quote. I agree with Pastor John MacArthur, don't you? Thankfully, though, we, the church, we know. We know that the bedrock of the family is a God-designed marriage. God-designed marriage, a biblical marriage, a godly marriage, a Christ-centered marriage. It's a marriage as God has defined marriage in His Word. Can I get an amen? Today's culture views marriage as relative and not absolute. You know this in so many areas. Modern society is working tirelessly in an attempt to redefine marriage as how they want marriage to be in direct opposition to what God has established and forever says that marriage is. We're living in dark times. We're living in confusing times for many. And if we're not careful, discouraging times for God's very elect, the church. But be encouraged. Be encouraged. Why? We have hope. We have hope. We have real hope. We have everlasting hope. We have enduring hope. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our foundation. 
He's the one we're following. He's the one we're looking to. He's our good shepherd. He's the one that's leading us beside the still waters. He is the one that is restoring our souls. He's leading us in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. And yes, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Regardless of how dark it gets, regardless of how confused a lost and dying world is, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because God is still on His throne. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, His only begotten Son, the risen Savior of humanity, is seated at the right hand of the Father today. And I promise you, everything is going as planned according to God's Word and according to God's will. On this Valentine's Day weekend, 2020, focus year, right? 2020. I want us to talk about the subject of marriage today. I've entitled this message, The Foundation of Marriage. Now, I'm not going to be giving you a lot of fluff today. There's not going to be a lot of fluff. I'm not going to get into the various details concerning marriage. We're we're going to focus on the basics. We're going to focus on the foundation of marriage as God has defined marriage. I'm sure some, if not many, ask the question, well, where did the idea of marriage come from anyway? To which I'd answer, it came from heaven. It came from heaven. God handed marriage down from heaven to Adam and Eve in the garden when God first created man and woman. It's a divine institution. It's established by God. We first learn about marriage in Genesis chapter 2 beginning in verse 18. If you will, stand with me as we read Genesis 2, 18, 21 through 24. We do so in honor of the reading of God's Word. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in gratitude and thanks. We bow in honor and reference to you, your word, your son Jesus, precious Holy Spirit who is among us today. So evident, so evident, Father. God, we're going to be speaking on some controversial subjects today. Not controversial to you, but controversial in the day and hour in which we live. Not controversial in your church because your church believes your word and follows your word. Not particularly in our hearts in attendance here today, but maybe in the hearts of the lost and dying world that might might be watching this through Facebook or YouTube or other channels that we're trying to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, again, we just pray that you would open our eyes that we could see. Give us ears to hear today. 
Give us minds to understand and hearts to obey. Father, allow your Holy Spirit to take your word and place it deep within us that we'll know it, understand it, live it before a lost and dying world. God, we pray most of all today, if anyone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today they'll be saved. Father, if we have saved people here who are going through difficult times, who are really struggling, we pray today is the day, God, that you lighten their load. Father, they join in with you and you'll bear their burdens as the burden bearer. Father, we pray today for marriages. Father, there could be couples here today who are really struggling in their marriage and we pray for them today that this word today will encourage them and guide them and give them direction. For those who will soon be married, Father, we pray that their ears and minds and hearts will hear this message today and set them on the right path to a long, successful marriage. Father, most of all, we pray you be glorified, your son be glorified, and the church be edified. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated this morning. Well, there, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18, 21 through 24, what we see here is the institution of marriage. And the first thing I want you to notice is that when God set marriage in order, I want you to notice that it was between a man and a woman. Now, it kind of feels silly for me to have to say that out loud. But again, we're living uh, in a world full of depravity. We're living in a world full of depravity because of the dark, sick minds of those who are far from God we actually have to explain something so simple and so true that marriage was given from God to a man and a woman and the only marriage that God recognizes in all of existence, in all of creation is the marriage between a man and a woman. All throughout the Bible, we see that God's desire for His children is that we not go through life lonely, God doesn't want us to be lonely. From the beginning, all the creatures of the earth, including man, were given a mate. And God said, that's good. God said, that's good. But like everything else, when sin entered the picture, when sin entered the picture, it corrupted all of creation, including marriage. Including marriage. We know that there's good marriages and there's bad marriages. We know that there's happy marriages and there's sad marriages. We know that there's fulfilling marriages and we know that there's non-fulfilling marriages. We know that there's Christ-centered marriages and there's not Christ-centered marriages. We know that there's Christ-honoring marriages and we know that there's non-Christ-honoring marriages. Again, what's God's desire? God's desire is for His married children to have good, happy, fulfilling, Christ-centered, Christ-honoring marriages. So, if you're interested in having a happy, good, fulfilling, Christ-centered, Christ-honoring marriage, I invite you to pull up a chair. I advise you to buckle up. I invite you to listen closely. I invite you to take some notes. Most importantly, I invite you to hear what God has to say and then 
believe what God says to us today and put into practice what God has to say to us today concerning a happy, good, fulfilling, Christ-honoring, Christ-filled marriage. Amen? All right, let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Chapter 5 of Ephesians is often referred to as God's standard to faithfulness in the church. And rightly so. And rightly so. Some of y'all may say, but Pastor Steve, wait just a minute. I thought you said the title of your message today was the foundation of marriage. It is. Well then why are you talking about God's standard for faithfulness in the church. Well, I'm glad you asked because I've got a great answer for you. Would you like to hear it? It's because the ultimate example of the perfect marriage is the example of Christ and His bride, the church. The church. The church is known throughout the New Testament as being the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And in the same way, That Christ loves his bride, the church. A husband is to love his own wife. And in the same way that Christ's bride, the church, loves and responds to him as the husband, then the wife is to love and respond to her own husband. Christ, to the church, is the example of the husband to the wife. And From the wife to the husband is the example of the church, the bride of Christ, to Christ himself. Amen? Now five and a half years ago, five and a half years ago, God established this fellowship of believers here in Monterey, Tennessee. And he didn't do so haphazardly. He he didn't do it by happenstance. It was his goal. It was his plan from eternity past. And hoping Christ come to existence, number one, to bring Him glory and honor. Number two, that we would be a city set on a hill, living examples to Monterey, Tennessee and abroad. And one of the best ways to bring God glory is to live according to God's Word. In doing so, He called each of us to imitate Him as His dear children. To accomplish this, we're to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. Our lives are to be a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We do this by loving God supremely. We do this by loving everyone else as much as we love ourselves. We we do this by giving hope to everyone around us. Again, as bright shining lights, that is, the light of Jesus Christ in us, shining through us, giving light to a dark and dying world. 
those of us who are born again, we are the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're the Lord's church. I've taught you this truth over and over and over again that the church is not a building. A church is not a place you go. Church is not something you attend. If you're saved, if you're born from above, you are the church. Could we just say that together this morning on count three? Could we just not say, I am the church? One, two, three. I am the church. Do you know that? Do you believe that today? There's an enormous difference in how we say words and the meanings of those words. We are the church. We are the church. It's imperative that we know the difference. Why? Because knowing who you are and knowing who you belong to determines how you live. When you realize and know that you are the church, that changes the way you live life. When you realize that you are the bride of Christ, that changes the way that you live life. As the church, we've been given simple yet solid standards from God as how we're to live out our faith here on planet Earth. Look around this morning. Just just take a moment and just look around this morning. What you'll notice is the church is made up of those children who went to Faith Factory, those who are saved and born again. The church is made up of teenagers. The bride of Christ is made up of young adults. The bride of Christ, the church, is made up of senior saints of life. All together, we make up and we form the church, the bride of Christ. And these simple, solid standards of God's Word that He gave us, they apply to each and every one of us Equally. Say amen right there if you don't care. Now just because you're not married this morning doesn't mean that you're exempt from the message. I hope everybody here will listen closely and hear what God has to say today. Let me say this. What you receive today will be the best counsel you'll ever get concerning marriage. Well, you're kind of proud of yourself, ain't you, preacher? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Not because of the teacher. Not because of the teacher. Not because I'm delivering the message, but because the message I'm delivering to you today is going to come from the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And I'm going to stick to the script. I'm just going to tell you what the Word of God says, and we're going to leave it there. And that's the best counsel you can get anywhere on planet Earth. The Word of God. The Word of God. Again, in the opening verses of chapter 5, verse 2, it says, walk in love. Don't let that sink in. Walk in love. What does that look like? It looks like the way Christ walked in love and gave Himself up for us. Walk in love as Christ loved and gave Himself up for us. So we see that marriage is built upon the principle of love. Why is it built upon the principle of love? Because God is love. 
Because God is love. Number one, number one. Instructions to wives. I know, I know. Pastor, why do you have to start with us ladies? Well, it's because that's how God pinned it down in Ephesians. I didn't pick the order of the Scripture. God wrote it the way God wanted it written, okay? Now, I want you ladies to take comfort, though, because we're going to get to us men here very, very soon. All right? We're going to get to us men very, very soon. And I promise God has a whole lot more to say to us men than He does to you ladies, okay? So perk up and smile. You only get three verses and we get eight. All right? So you only get three, we get eight. How's that for fairness? That ain't bad, is it? That ain't bad. So here we go. Verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Here we're taught and we're instructed that all believers, that all believers, Men, women, and children are all to live in total submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, our redeeming Savior. That's a good place for a wonderful amen. All God's children, everybody has been born again, we are all to walk in love and we're all to walk in total and complete submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we're taught that we should all submit one to another. Back in verse 21, it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we, how do we show reverence toward Christ? By number one, each and every one of us submitting ourselves to Him supremely. And in love and reverence for other believers, we're to submit and prefer one another over ourselves. Amen? So the theme of submission, the theme of submission is to all believers. To all believers. The theme of submission is to all believers. And it carries over into the role of the wife within the confines of marriage. Now keep this in mind. Keep in mind that this command for the wife to submit to her husband has nothing to do with her worth, has nothing to do with her value, has nothing to do with her intelligence, has nothing to do with those characteristics. Because Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. See, in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, amongst all of God's children all over planet earth today, in time past and time in the future, in God's eyes there is no big eyes or little U's. 
God loves all of His children equally and the same. We're not talking about who's important and who's not important. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about R-O-L-E, role. Every person who is in the body of Christ has a role to carry out. We study this in Hope 300 here at Hope in Christ Fellowship. We, we talk about the shape. We talk about how that God has designed all of us to fit into the body of Christ properly as He gifts us, the gifts that He gives us. He teaches us what those gifts are. He lets us know through His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit what our gifts are so that we know what role we are to play within the body of Christ because there's nothing worse than an eyeball trying to function as an ear. There's nothing worse I can think of than a foot trying to be a hand. Now, Michelle's a little different. Michelle's part monkey. She can do with her feet everything I can do with my hands. We'll just set her up someday and let let her show you how that works. I don't know. But anyway, roles. We're talking about roles, okay? We're not talking about big eyes and little U's. We're talking about the role that God has established within marriage. The husband has a role to play and the wife has a role to play. And marriage will never be good. Marriage will never be happy. Marriage will never be fulfilling. Marriage will never be Christ-filled. And marriage will never be Christ-honoring unless we do marriage God's way. Every Christian wife no matter what her qualities are, no matter what qualities she possesses, and no matter what quality her husband possesses or doesn't possess, is commanded to submit to their own husband. Now to be clear, gentlemen, this submission is not something that we demand of our wife. Let me be clear about that. Husbands, This submission is not something we demand of our wife. Here's how it works. Now keep in mind, this letter, this letter is not written to the world. This letter is written to the church. And we're to understand the context of this letter. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. Now, lost people can read this, hear this, and learn from it, but we don't expect them to as long as they're lost. It's a great idea. It would be God-honoring if they would honor this and obey this and walk in this. But you can't hold a lost person accountable to Scripture as long as they're lost. But you can hold the church accountable to all those that name the name of Christ. We are to hold one another accountable to the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Again, here's how it works. This letter is written to the church. It's written to people who have been born from above. It's written to those who have been born again. It's been written to spirit-filled, believing men and women. Therefore, spirit-filled, born again, born from above, believing wives, know that their spirit-filled, believing husbands 
have been given the God-given role of leadership in marriage. The Christian husband is commanded to give Christ-like leadership to his wife in the same way that Christ loves and exercises loving and devoted leadership to the church. For example, Jesus lovingly delivered His church from sin, death, and hell. So in the same way, a husband must lovingly provide for, protect, and preserve his wife as Christ lovingly provides for, protects, and preserves his bride, the church. In fact, in fact, this is very well known, that all women have two basic needs. They need to know that they're being provided for, and they need to know that they're being protected. And men, the quicker we learn that, the quicker and the better our marriages will flourish. The husband that provides for and the husband that protects his wife will have a wife who will lovingly, obediently submit herself to your God-given leadership role. Can I get an amen? So men, our role as husbands are to provide both. Provision and protection. The word goes on to say that wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. When wives are first and foremost submissively obedient to the Lord, then she has no difficulty being obedient in this command to be submissive to her own husband. Because in doing so, her attitude is that she lovingly submits as an act of obedience to the Word of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of her husband's personal worthiness or spiritual condition. What I'm trying to say is when we do marriage right, when we do marriage God's way, we bring honor and glory to Him. And guess what we do? We reap the benefits. We reap God's blessings. That wasn't so bad, was it, ladies? Seems like I talk to husbands more than I talk to you. Let's move on. Instructions to husbands. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. Verse 27, So that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. See, ladies, we're making a big deal over you. God is telling us that you are a, you are a prize. You are special. You're wonderful. God is saying you're as the bride of Christ, the church. And as much as God loves the church, 
He loves you. And as much as God loves the church, us husbands are to love you and protect you and provide for you. Husbands, we have a big chore. And I'm afraid we're falling short. Verse 28, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own body, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul says this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you, if you're one of them, you say me, who I'm talking to. However, let us men, let us husbands, love our wives as we love ourselves. And wives, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now before we move on, I think it's of the utmost importance to point out that in these eight verses, the word love is mentioned five times. A marriage without love is not worthy of the title marriage. Marriage is built upon the principle of love. Marriage is built upon the foundation of love. You want to know the secret to a good, happy, fulfilling, Christ-centered, Christ-honoring, lifelong marriage? You want to know how, how this couple that we saw earlier, both over the age of 100, been married over 82 years, you want to know what's held that, love, held that marriage together? L-O-V-E. Love. Love. Husbands, you want to fill in the blank? Love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Everybody nods, but sadly, but sadly, there's men that for whatever reason, there's men who don't understand how to love their wife. They have no idea what it means to genuinely love their wife as prescribed here in Scripture. Maybe they've never been taught. Maybe they've never had a good example. Whatever the reason. So here it is. Here's the moment of truth. Are you ready? It's really, really, really simple. Here is all us husbands need to know about how to love our wife. And it's found right here in verse 25. Are you ready? Bam! Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, when you said I do, it's not about you anymore. It's not about us. It's about him and it's about her. Good place for an amen. I'll say it again. When you went to the altar and you pushed the ring over her knuckle and you looked in her eyes and you committed the rest of your life to her, 
When you said, I do, it became all about him and it became all about her. That's what the Word says. Love your wives just like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, how did Christ give himself up? He died. Now, unless you're willing to die for your wife, you're not loving her like Christ loves the church. I've never seen so many men stare so intently into their Bibles in all of my life. The only eyes I can see in the room this morning are lady eyes. All the husbands are like... I can see you. I told you it's going to be rough, didn't I, Pastor Darrell? Somebody said, can you repeat that, please? Sure. So, Pastor, how do I love my wife? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Above all, above everything else. The ultimate responsibility of the husband to the life is to love them with the same unreserved, selfless and sacrificial love that Christ forever has given and will forever give to His bride, the church. Jesus gave His life. Jesus gave His life for the sake of the church and that's the standard of the sacrifice that the husband must demonstrate to his wife. She comes second, you come third. Wait a minute, you, you left out number one. What did I say a while ago? Christ is number one or marriage doesn't work. She's number two or marriage doesn't work. I got bad news for you. When the babies get here, we fall to fourth. It's Jesus, mama, the babies, and the dog, and the cat, and the hamster. And Grandma and Grandpa and Mima and Papa, Aunt Susie and Uncle Joe. I've taken my shoes off. I go any further, as far as I can count. Hey, we fall out of the picture. We don't count no more, right? We're just happy to get a morsel of food every once in a while. But that's how it's done. Verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Boy, do we have a role to play in marriage. Wow, do we have a huge responsibility. We, we are to love her like Christ loves the church. It says that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. Our role, our job, is to make her presentable to the Lord Jesus Christ as holy, without spot, without wrinkle, that we might present her in splendor. What a role we have to play. 
these verses 26 and 27, here's where we find some practical application of how Christ demonstrates His love for the church. Yes, it's one thing to say I love you, but it's a total different thing to actually demonstrate love. For husbands to demonstrate their love for their wives as Christ demonstrates His love for His bride, the church, requires that we demonstrate a purifying love. A purifying love. A helping love. And since Christ's purifying love seeks to completely cleanse us from every form of sin and every form of sinful behavior, a Christian husband should seek and lead his wife away from sinful behavior as well. It's one thing to say something. Where the rubber meets the road is when we demonstrate it. We are not to hypocritically love our wives. We're not to give her a standard to live by and then us live any old way we want to live. The way we love our wives, the way Christ loves the church, is by being the perfect example of Christ in the home. The husband's greatest desire should be that his wife become completely conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he leads her. He doesn't dictate to her. He doesn't boss her. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't mistreat her. As Christ loves the church, we love our wives. We demonstrate our love to our wife not by giving her the world, the more of the world you give your wife, the more worldly she will become. Can I say that again? The more of the world you give your wife, the more worldly your wife will be. But the more of Jesus you bring into the home, and the more, the more, the more of the Christ-like attitude you bring into the home, and the more teachings of Christ you bring into the home, and the more of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ you become in the home, you and your wife, united in holy matrimony, will become bright and shining lights of the Lord Jesus Christ in a dark, dying world. And that marriage will preach louder and will reach more people than I'll ever reach in a pulpit. Absolutely. That will preach. That will preach. The right way to spoil your wife is to spoil her with love and affection. By being a godly example. By teaching and leading her in the ways of God. That's how to spoil your wife. Men, this means that we must love God supremely. 
It means that we must love our wife as much as we love ourselves. And the way that we love God supremely is in the way that we think, in the attitude that we carry, and the actions that we perform. That's how we love God supremely. And here's how we love our wife as much as we love ourselves. We love her more than we love us. We have to have an active, passionate, daily prayer life. And your wife ought to be the number one position on the list. Pray for her first and foremost. We need to spend adequate time in God's Word. Listen, I may be your pastor at Hope in Christ Fellowship, but you're her pastor in the home. I ain't never heard that before. Well, I'm glad I informed you. Your role in the home is to be her pastor, her spiritual caretaker, her spiritual advisor. That's the role of the husband. Well, I don't know enough Bible. Read it. I don't understand enough. Pray more. I'm not a good teacher. Live it. Speak it. Read it together. Study it together. Work through it together. And be the example of Christ to your wife and to your family. Verse 28 and 29. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. What does this mean? This means that Christian husbands are to care for their wife with the same devotion that we care for ourselves. When I'm hungry, it's easy to see what I do. I eat. I've never had the knack for running around naked, so I clothe me. I make sure my needs are met on a day-to-day basis. How many other men in the room make sure your needs are met every day? How much do we care for her needs? I'm just talking about, I'm not just talking about food and clothing. I'm talking about Women have a lot of emotional needs. Women are emotional creatures, and that's not a put-down. See, when, when God put Adam to sleep, and he opened up his side and took that rib out, I think he took more than a rib. He took a side of Adam out of Adam. And what happens is, us knuckleheads, men, when we unite with that one special one, and we become that one flesh, we're whole again. I recognize that Michelle has abilities and qualities and smartness that I don't possess. I don't know how I got 23 without her. I don't know. But since then, it's been wonderful. And in the same way, in what she doesn't possess, I do. But you take Steve and Michelle and you bring us together. Man, we're dangerous together in more ways than one. Why? We complement one another. She has needs that I don't possess and I have needs that she don't possess. And as she learns my needs and I learn her needs and we begin to fulfill those, guess what happens? We have a happy, good, fulfilling, Christ-honoring Christ-centered marriage. Huh? Happy wife, happy life, right? Happy husband, 
go shoot the dog. I don't know. I mean, happy husband, happy husband. I ain't got a clever one there. But we are to care for our wife with the same devotion that we care for ourselves. But wait, even more so. Why? Because of Christ's example. Jesus' example is His self-sacrificing love that causes Him to always put His bride first. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, he says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, we're talking about in Christ. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in the full accord and of one mind, do nothing, say nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So a husband who loves his wife in these ways will bring spoil to her with God's blessing. You want to spoil her, spoil her with God's blessing. They never run out. They never spoil. They never go out of date. They never go out of fashion. Verse 29. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Our primary role as husbands is to provide her needs. Our primary role as husbands is to provide her needs and to help her grow and mature. In Jesus Christ. How do we do that? With warm, tender, loving, caring affection that in turn gives her the comfort and security she needs and she desires. Why? Verse 30 says, because we're all members of His body. When I'm spoiling her, she's spoiling me We're spoiling the body of Christ and we all win. And we all win. The husband that tries to lead his wife like this, he needs to be taken out to the woodshed by some of us brothers. And we need to educate him a bit. That's a good place for an amen. Sometimes you have to lay your religion upon the man and beat the devil out of him, don't you, Brenda? That's right. That's an old saying from years ago. Why? Because we're members of his body. Because we're members of his body. I'm part of his body. She's part of his body. That's God's daughter. Huh? Boy, that'll change your perspective. That's God's. You gonna mess with God's girl? Huh? You think you're big? 
You think you're bad? I think God's got the upper hand. Can I get an amen right there? In marriage, the husband and wife are intimately joined together as one. And just like Jesus provides for His church, we're to lovingly care for and provide for our wives because she is intimately and inseparably connected to us. Now think about this. Think about this. If Jesus didn't care for His church, He'd be diminishing His own glory. Likewise, when we fail to properly care for our wife, we're failing in our God-given responsibility. Verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Have you heard that before early in the message? Paul is quoting Genesis chapter 2, isn't he? Why? Because the Word always agrees with the Word. The Word never differs from itself. Paul's not teaching a new truth here. Paul's preaching the Word of God that God established in the beginning. So what Paul is doing, he's reinforcing God's divine plan for marriage by emphasizing its permanence and its unity. God's desire for marriage is that it would be a union that is intimate and is permanent. The Bible says that we become one flesh. Again, that, that emphasizes the permanence, the unity of the husband and the wife. Sadly, we live in a time that divorce is rampant even within the church. The latest statistics say that one out of every two marriages, even in the church today, will end in divorce. That was never part of God's plan. There's no plans of divorce in God's plan of salvation. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And as Christ loves the church, we're to love our bride. Michelle and I said it up front, even when we were dating, divorce is not a word we'll ever utter. We're in this till death do us part. Has she wanted to kill me in the past 30 years? Many times. Have I wanted to kill her in the past 30 years? Not one time. Not one time. She, she's my little angel. She's always up in the air harping about something. Thirty-one ways to die. And they're all slow and painful. Here's what I'm trying to say. We should follow Christ's example. His love is an undying love. His love is an inseparable love. And His love is an eternal love. Now on a practical note, before we move to verse 32, I do want you to notice... It says, therefore a man shall leave, say leave, his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. Let, let's, 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 let's change hold fast to the word cleave because it rhymes. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Say leave. Say cleave. There you go. There comes a time in life where you have to cut the apron strings. You didn't like that, did you? See, when the husband and wife come together, God becomes number wife and husband becomes And we still love them and we still honor them and we still respect them as mother and father not only because we're commanded to because we want to. We're going to honor our father and mother as long as they're alive and as long as we're alive. Can I get an amen? But at the altar when the rings are exchanged and the vows are exchanged he's number one and we are now the couple. That's the only way successful marriage works. Let me give you a man a piece of advice. Don't ever say it. I'll just leave it there. Don't ever say it. If you ain't said it already, you'll figure it out eventually. Just don't ever say it. Verse 32. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. In the New Testament, the word mystery identifies... A previously hidden reality is now being revealed in the New Testament age. So what is marriage? Marriage is a reflection. Marriage is the reflection of Jesus and His bride, the church. In the New Testament, they knew a Messiah was coming, but they didn't understand that it would come as a reflection of marriage. It's now been revealed, hasn't it? It's now been revealed. That's why Paul calls it Profound. The marriage union between a husband and a wife is the earthly example, the reflection of the union between Christ and His church. Now, is the union, is the union between Christ and His church important? Then, if marriage is a reflection of that union, how important is marriage? Very important. Very important. You want to know what marriage looks like? Watch Jesus love His bride. Watch Jesus love His church. However, verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We can't, but if we could, if we could reduce the needs of both the husband and the wife within the marriage relationship, it would be this. Husbands, demonstrate your love for your wife. She needs to be loved like Christ loves the church. Wives, demonstrate your respect for your husband. He needs to be respected. He needs to be followed as the church loves and follows Christ. Marriage made in heaven looks and exists as Christ and His church. The husband loves and leads his wife as Christ loves and leads his bride, the church. And in turn, the wife submits and follows her husband with full respect as the church submits and follows and respects Christ. And with that being said, to God be the glory now and forever. Amen? Let's stand together.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, your word has been spoken in this house today. And over the airwaves of Facebook and YouTube and Faith Life. And we're thankful for the opportunity to simply open your book, read it, and expose it, exposit it, preach it, explain it. Father, we prayed in the beginning of this message that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to understand and hearts to obey. And Father, as we look across this room and as we know in our mind's eye in homes all throughout this community and abroad, folks have heard this gospel message today. And we have spoken to Husbands and wives who have happy, good, fulfilling, Christ-honoring, Christ-centered marriages. And there's some that don't. And we pray for those that do, that they only get stronger and stronger, and the light of Christ continues to shine brighter and brighter through those couples in a lost and dying world. And for those marriages that can't boast of these things. We pray today healing would come to them. And we know that healing is going to come as they become obedient to your word. When the husbands began to love and demonstrate the love of Christ to their wives and when the wives began to lovingly submit to Christ as they submit to their husbands and as they demonstrate love for another, we know their marriage will heal and become stronger and stronger and stronger. For those that are single and maybe be looking forward to marriage, that they would hear these truths today and take the wise counsel and apply it as they go forward in life. Marriage is important, but salvation is more important, Father. And we just pray and ask today, if there's anyone under the sound of our voice that is lost without Jesus Christ, dead in their trespasses and sins, that right now in this moment, we pray that the Holy Spirit open their heart. God, that you would regenerate them. God, that you would speak life into their being and give them the ability to exercise the faith that you give them today. That as they believe in their heart, they'll confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and be forever saved. Father, in these next few moments, as we respond to your word, do, do as only you can do, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the word, be glorified. And we pray all this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Amen.